0: increasing appetite for you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you might find it helpful to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, to have that passage open in front of you. I'm going to be focusing on verses 14 to 17 this morning, and also reflecting on Psalm 1, uh, those passages that were read for us earlier by Joanne. It's the first day of a new year, as you know, a day that naturally lends itself to thinking in terms of fresh new starts. For many, this sense of a new start comes with new resolutions. I think this is good. There is a sense of fresh motivation that comes with the blank canvas of a new year stretched out before us. Every year, I usually make a few specific resolutions that change each year, like reduce chocolate intake or do more exercise or something like that. Each year, there's different sort of specific resolutions I make, but every single year, there is one resolution that always stays the same, and I don't think it will ever change. My primary resolution each year is that I want this to be a year where I grow and mature as a Christian. This is simple, but every single year I come back to it and it's my prayer, Lord, in this year ahead, may I grow and mature more in my Christian life. And this is something that I want to call each of us to make a resolution for this year ahead. And when I speak of growing and maturing... I mean growth and maturity in the way a tree grows and matures. How does a tree grow? It grows steadily, but almost imperceptibly. You can't really see it, and yet it's happening. A tree's goal is to become more stable, more fruitful. Each year, putting its roots down... A little deeper, bearing fruit that's a little bit sweeter. And this is an apt illustration of Christian maturity. In fact, it is the primary picture that the Bible uses to illustrate a mature Christian, that of a stable and fruitful tree. Over and over again in the Bible— a mature and stable Christian is likened to a big oak tree that's flourishing and that's strong. Isaiah 61 verse 3, for example, God speaks of what he wants his people to become, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. I look out before me this morning It's my hope And I'm looking out on oaks of righteousness. Imagine you could put glasses on to see what state we're in. Are we little shoot saplings maybe some of us? Some of us maybe slightly more mature trees. Maybe there's some old oaks here. I mean that in a good way. God wants us to be like oaks of righteousness. Or Psalm 1-3, the passage read earlier. The mature Christian is likened to a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither. It's planted, it's well-watered, it's fruitful, it's vibrant, it's full of vitality and life. Jesus said in John 15, we are like branches in him, the trunk or the vine, that our goal is to mature and bear fruit to the glory of God the Father. So it is so clear, God's resolution for us is that we would grow and mature to become more stable, more fruitful, more mature as Christians. But the big question is, how does that happen? How does that come about? What's important to see this morning is that in pretty much every place where God's people are exhorted to grow, to become more mature, fruitful trees, we are told also how to become like that? Listen carefully Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law or the instruction of the Lord. And on his law, instruction, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. So how do you become that planted tree, fruitful and flourishing? You take seriously pondering, reading, thinking on God's word, the law of the Lord, the instruction of God. That's how you become like a tree that's stable and fruitful. Jesus said in John 15, if my word abides in you, you will bear fruit. Isaiah said that it is the bread of the word that the Father gives that brings forth those oaks of righteousness. Constantly, the Bible tells us that the way to see growth and maturity come about in the year ahead is by making sure we have a regular intake of and exposure to God's Word. So in light of that truth, I want to build on the natural sense of motivation that we feel at the start of a new year to encourage you, whatever stage you're at in your own Bible reading experience, I want to encourage you to make a fresh start and a fresh commitment on this, the first day of the new year, to cultivating a fruitful life in the Word of God. In this year ahead and beyond. And to stir up that motivation, I want us to consider how Paul exhorts young Timothy to do this in Second Timothy three, fourteen to seventeen. This is a central passage where Paul speaks to this young Christian, Timothy, about the importance of being immersed in the Bible. As we enter into the text, first let's consider the context that this exhortation to Timothy comes in. In chapter 3 of this epistle, verses 1 to 13, if you skim your eye down it, you'll see Paul has been warning Timothy that in this church age, there will be a lot that can cause us as Christians to become unstable untethered, to make us drift or lose our way. Look at what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. Understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Then, verse 5, there'll be people who have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. People who look religious, but they haven't really experienced the power of a transformed life through the power of God's Holy Spirit, making them alive. Verse 13, Paul warns of imposters who will not teach the truth, but who will deceive people. And then this context of warning continues on into chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul speaks of people who will move away from sound teaching, and they'll just wander off into myths. Theological make-believe. And it's important for us as we enter into this text this morning that we recognize this is speaking of the age that we're in. There are those today out there who call themselves Christians and present themselves as holier-than-thou, religious, but they have not experienced true gospel transformation. They don't bear the fruit of a transformed life. There are those today who are moving away from sound teaching and wandering off into all sorts of untethered theological make-believe. And so the question that we have to ask, in this age where there's so much that can make us unstable, that can cause us to lose our way, how can a young Christian like Timothy, how can we, at whatever stage we're at in our own Christian lives, how can we remain stable and firm in these days where there are strong currents that want to blow us off course? And that is the key question that Paul is answering for Timothy in verses 14 to 17. Let's look at verse 14. Contrasting the false teachers, contrasting those who have lost their way and become unstable, Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, that you want to be a but as for you person. You want to be like that. People wandering, drifting, stop reading their Bible. But as for you, you got to be different. You want to be an as-for-you person. As for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, Timothy, if you want to be firm and fruitful in these turbulent days, you've got to continue in the Scriptures. Now, he was speaking there initially of the Old Testament Scriptures, but elsewhere the Apostle Peter Speaks of the New Testament scriptures on the same par as the Old Testament scriptures. So we can apply this to ourselves and think of getting into our Bibles. You want to be firm and fruitful in 2023, you've got to get back to the book. Paul says, Timothy, you've got to get back to the book. You know those who've gone before you, you know the example of the lives of those who have been committed to the book. From childhood, you've been reading the book. Continue in the scriptures, Timothy. Paul is saying immersing yourself in the scriptures will lead you to a wise, stable, and fruitful life as a Christian. So here's the message that I want to bring to you on this, the first day of the new year. If you want to be more firm and fruitful in 2023 as a Christian, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. That is, continue in the scriptures. Keep working hard at reading your Bible. Now, there's people in different places here, I'm sure this morning, with respect to Bible reading. Some of you might be here, you're struggling with it, you've got out of the way of it. You have good stretches, bad stretches. Some of you have just had babies and maybe your Bible reading has been blown out of the water and you're just trying to recover and think, whoa, what do I do now? Some of you might have good stretches. Some of you might have bad stretches. I just want to encourage us all this morning, whatever stage you're at, to stay in the fight. The devil would want you to throw the towel in and say, well, you haven't really been reading your Bible for the last three months, so you can't just start now. Don't believe that lie. Wherever you're at this morning, just make a fresh commitment to get back into the fight of trying to read your Bible and to press on with regular exposure to the Word of God. Now, you you might be sitting there this morning going, really, Steve, is that it? Is that all you've got for us this morning? Out of all the things you could say on the first day of the new year, you're just saying, keep reading your Bible. Absolutely, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Why? Well, because if you want to grow and mature as a Christian, there are no shortcuts. There is simply no other way. You've got to be regularly taking in the Word of God. There's no other way to wisdom and godliness in the Christian life. You've got to learn to be fed in church and to receive the Word here, but you've got to learn how to feed yourself throughout the week. So that's the context of the passage we're looking at and the initial exhortation Paul gives to Timothy. Here's how you can remain firm and stable and fruitful, Timothy, when loads of others are drifting away. You've got to continue in the Scriptures. And then after that exhortation in verses 16 to 17, Paul proceeds to persuade Timothy of the value of, of continuing to read his Bible. And this is not just here for Timothy, it's also here inspired by God for us. The Apostle Paul now points out to Timothy three truths about the Scriptures to remind him and us of what we have in the Bible and why we should keep reading. You see, I don't want to guilt trip anyone this morning into reading their Bible more. I don't have to do that. want to inspire you to keep going. So three truths now that Paul gives to Timothy to persuade him to keep going in his Bible reading. Truth number one, the God-breathedness of Scripture. Verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, this may sound like a major oversimplification, but it's worth stating, our God is a God who speaks. Contrasting the idols who were mute and lifeless in the Old Testament, over and over again, the prophets said that our God is a God who speaks. And the Psalms, Psalm 19, for example, tells us that God speaks to us through two books. First, there is the book of creation, what God has made. God spoke all of creation into existence, and by this creation, he makes himself known. Psalm 19:1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. In Romans 1, the apostle Paul builds on this and teaches us that we, re- we learn of God's eternal power and His divine nature that are clearly seen from what has been made. So God speaks into existence the universe, and through what He has created, that creation is telling us of His greatness and glory. But to understand this general revelation of a creator, we need the special revelation of Scripture's to help us interpret and know who is the one, the artist behind all this beauty. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that God does not just speak, He writes. All Scripture, written revelation, is given by inspiration, is, is breathed out by God. Scripture, what we have in the Bible, is from God's mind. God has spoken His Word. He has worked through human authors to have it written down. The Bible is God's Word, His self-revelation written down. His face looks at us from behind every page. He makes Himself known to us through the book of creation, but He makes Himself more clearly known to us in the book of Scripture. And because it is here referred to as the breathed-out Word of God, we know that it is a Word that gives life. Think of the image of Adam being formed from the dust in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2. This is how I like to think about 2 Timothy 3.16 and Scripture being breathed out by God. In Genesis 2-7, we read that the Lord shaped Adam out of the dust and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That brought Adam from dust, inanimate object, to being a living being. When you read the Scriptures, you have the life-giving breath of God breathing life into you spiritually as He makes Himself known to you through His Word. Get that picture into your mind. When you open your Bible to read it, you say to yourself, God is here breathing life into me. At times you'll feel that, and at times you won't, but your feelings don't change the truth. Like breathing on glowing embers. When you're reading your Bible, depending on the Holy Spirit to give you help and insight, God is breathing on the embers of your spiritual life to fan into flame what? Your faith. And so whether you feel good about Bible reading or you don't, whether you're taking it in or you just walk away that day and go, I feel like I got nothing from that. The facts are the facts. You put yourself in front of the word and it's the breath of God breathing life into you. How could you go for long periods of time without that? Why would you want to? So let me ask you the question, are you putting yourself into the place of regularly being breathed on by God? That is the God-breathedness of Scripture. Paul points it out to Timothy to persuade him, you've got to stay in this. This is breathed out by God. It breathes life into you as a Christian. If you don't read it, it will not be long before the glowing coal just loses its glow. So, second, second truth about Scripture to persuade Timothy to keep going, the usefulness of Scripture. After speaking of the origins of Scripture, Paul now turns in the text in verse 16 to speak of the efficacy or the usefulness of Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Paul summarizes all these things that the Scriptures do with those words in verse 15. They make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible and reading your Bible is profitable because it gets things done in your life. There are several passages in scripture that compare the Bible to everyday things in our lives that get things done. Just give you a real quick run through them. Hebrews 4:12, the Bible, the scriptures are compared to a double-edged sword. Now remember, this is God speaking through his word, accommodating us by giving us concrete illustrations to help us understand what his word gets done in our lives. So God says, think of a big sharp sword. The Bible's like that. Here's how how Hebrews 4.12 goes. For the word of God is alive and active, Isn't that wonderful? Alive and active. That's why you can read your Bible over and over and over again and keep getting something fresh. It's living, active. The breath of God animates it and gives it life. Sharper than any double edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We need this. You need God's Word to be convicting you, to be challenging you, to be judging the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Left unchecked, our thoughts and intentions will run awry. So we need to keep exposed to that medicine of the word, that truth plumb line to, to keep aligning ourselves with that. I'll keep going, I'll speed up a bit. Jeremiah 23, 29. The word is like fire and a hammer. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? That's just Class. Like a hammer. You know, I'd love to be one of these men that can just take a big sledgehammer and knock down a wall and then build a house in my bare hands. I'm not that kind of guy, unfortunately. In my mind I am, but goes to it and I can't do it. But just the idea of the word being like a hammer just breaks hardness. Hard soil just breaks it and makes it more fruitful and fertile and ready for growth. It's like fire. Psalm 119, 105, it's like lamp. It's like a lamp and a light. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Matthew 4.4, 4, the word of God is like food. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is how you keep alive as a Christian, being fed by the word of God. It's like milk, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Grow up in your salvation. That's our goal for 2023. How? The milk of the word. James says the word is like a mirror. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You don't want to do that. You don't want to read the Bible. It says how I should change. Bang. I walk away and I just do the same thing. No, you want to read and let that mirror shape you and and make you tidy yourself up with the help of the Spirit. So when you put all of these concrete images together that God gives us to help us understand the Word, we learn that Scripture initiates faith, it gives us new life, it helps us grow, it sanctifies us and makes us become more holy, it searches us, it convicts us, it liberates us, it refreshes us, it renews us. As the psalmist said in Psalm nineteen, seven to 10, the law or the instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And I just want to ask, who wouldn't want that? The psalmist continues in Psalm 19, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So Paul's saying to Timothy, these scriptures will train you in righteousness. That's why you want to continue in them, Timothy. It's the breath of God giving you life. It's the the equipping of God to make you grow, to make you wise. And so I think again at the end of this point, we need to ask ourselves, are we exposing ourselves regularly to the life-transforming power of the Word of God? Or are we not? Well, then the third truth that Paul points to is very, very helpful. After speaking of the god of Scripture and the usefulness of Scripture, he points simply to the goal of Scripture in verse 17. We don't just read the Bible to have full heads. We read the Bible so that we are equipped for action. He summarizes this need to be in the Scriptures regularly, saying that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, something stood out out to me this time when I was studying this verse, and and I often look back to the Greek text just to make sure that everything's, uh, there's nothing abnormal in there. And what stood out to me this time from looking at this passage, verse 17, is that there's a Greek word that you would expect to see here. And it's the Greek word telos, which is usually the word for complete or perfection or maturity. I thought I would see it. I was assuming it would be the word telos. I looked at the text and I saw it wasn't that word? There's a different word used here that carries a slightly different nuance that I think is important. The word that is used here means... Being ready to meet the various demands of life. It's probably a good way to translate it. it. So that the man of God may be complete. You could say well furnished. um, Ready for the demands of life. For the, the currents that are there. Paul's saying, look, Timothy... You want this word to be in you so that it causes you to react and respond rightly to all the various demands that are placed in your life. When at work, when this word is in you, it will instruct you how you're to work well to the glory of God in your workplace. It will equip you for how to interact as a Christian with your family members and your friends. This word will teach you how to think about marriage and singleness when our world is changing the definition of these things. This word will teach you how to think well about ethical matters, life and death issues, human sexuality. When life throws things at you that are confusing, it is having the scriptures in your blood that will make you stable and fruitful. When you're immersed in this book, you're ready to discern false teaching. I have found in life that as I read my Bible, and I'm immersed in it, often I hear someone teaching or something, and it just something doesn't feel right. And I can't put my finger on what it is in that moment, but it just doesn't feel right. The Scriptures will give you a sense like a spider sense, only a scripture sense or something like that, and it will—you'll start something's fishy here. This guy's teaching something that just doesn't feel right, and you might not be one of those people who can trace the logic of the argument back down to its point and then defend it and argue against it. You may not be one of those people, but if you're a scripture man or scripture woman, you'll get a sense something's not right with that. That's really important. It's really important that you learn to pay attention to that in this day when there are so many who are departing from sound teaching and just making making up truth. And, And nearly always making up truth so that it makes being a Christian in the world more comfortable. It's nearly always the way it goes. So again, we have to ask, who would not want to be thoroughly equipped, wise in salvation in this day and age? We need this. You need this. I need this. If you want to grow and mature in 2023, you've got to be taking in the Scriptures. And that is Paul's effort to encourage Timothy and God's effort to encourage us, inspiring us with these three truths, the God-breatheness of Scripture, the efficacy of Scripture, the things that gets done, and the end of Scripture to make us stable, mature, and ready for all the stuff that this world throws at us. And I'm telling you, it is confusing. Like Christian atheists. You can go out there and find Christian atheists today, and you've got to think, how do you deal with that? How do I think about that? When people redefine marriage or start to say that because the Holy Spirit infuses all of life, then trees are God. You may not track with these arguments. I try to keep my finger on the pulse of some of them, but people are discovering some new understanding of the Holy Spirit that, that makes them say, well, because God infuses everything, everything is God. It's not that new really, it's just reinvented in new ways every generation. So there's the primary exhortation that Paul gives to young Christians, say you want to be stable, you want to be fruitful, you've got to continue in the scriptures. Continue in what you've learned, what you firmly believed. There's the three truths, to persuade him, the God-breathedness of Scripture, the usefulness of Scripture, and the goal of Scripture, to make you stable. But now, in closing, we have to ask very practically, right, okay, how do we do it? You've, you've convinced me, you've stirred me up again, God's Word has stirred me up again, that I want to be a Bible reader in 2023, but I've been here before, Steve. In fact, at the start of every year, I've been back there, I'm going to do it this year, How do we do it? Well, let me give you five quick closing points that I hope are very practical and it will just help you to get back into the Bible in 2023 or to press on to maturity in your Bible reading in 2023. So how do we get into our Bibles afresh in 2023? Number one, priority. You've got to make in your heart a commitment to regular Bible reading, at least once a day, every day, if you can. We all know that it's hard to be consistent in reading our Bibles. I remember going to Madagascar as a missionary and thinking that when I arrived, that would be Christian arrival. I will be a missionary. I'll be on the front lines. I will be super holy just automatically. I'm sorry to tell you that was not the truth. I still find it A discipline, hard work to get out of bed on time to try and read my Bible before the day started. I found it hard to keep going in prayer regularly in intercession. found it hard to be a godly husband, to be patient, and all of those things. And so you've got to just have this tenacious commitment, whatever age, stage, wherever I'm at with family, children, babies, caring for elderly parents, whatever. I've got to have some place where the Bible will be shard on me every day. Now, there are unique challenges according to the various stages of life we're in, but we can, we can get into good habits. We can be those who are regularly exposed to the Word of God. Priority is really important, an attitude. Second, you've got to have a place in your day for this, a time. We must carve out regular time to be in the Word. I find it best in the morning, early, before the day has begun, but not everyone can wake up and do that. We're not all morning people. The key, though, is finding some unhurried time. That's the key. So if you do sleep in and you've only got 10 minutes, don't try to do a 30-minute Bible reading in 10 minutes. Otherwise, you'll be flying through it. Try to give yourself unhurried, hurried time. Deal with your phone, whatever way you need to. I find the moment I sit down to read my Bible and pray, the pings start and the phone starts, whatever, you know, even if it is morning time at 6 a.m. or whatever, it seems Google Photos decides to send me a photo of what I was doing this day five years ago. Before you know it, I'm looking, oh, look at that. So it'll happen. Spiritual battle's real. The devil can use your phone to pull you away. And before you know it, half an hour of scrolling, no Time with the breath of God in your face. So you've got to set aside a time, unhurried, carved out, protected. Three, you've got to have a plan. This is really, really important. This is where so many people fall down. You've got to have some sort of plan in place so that you're intentional about what you're reading. You see, the Bible is a big book. It is really overwhelming to just start into it and say, right, I'm going to go. Where do I start? Those are, that's one of the questions that we ask. I want to really encourage you to make a plan so that you're intentional about what you're reading. I use often, and I'm using it this year, this Discipleship Journal Book at a Time Bible Reading Plan. I have uh, asked um, uh, Joanna Dare to produce some of these for me this week, and she's printed out a load of these and a load of these, and they're at the back if you'd like on this first day to get into this. I find this Book Book at a Time Bible Reading Plan really helpful because it gives you only 25 readings a month. And I need those catch-up days because stuff happens. You don't always get your chapters covered. So this morning, it was Genesis 1 and 2 and Psalm 1. And it was lovely to open up to Genesis 1 on January the 1st and just start reading. And it was lovely to read Psalm 1 as well. It's so fitting because I was thinking about it for this morning. And you just tick your box and you read and you pray and, and that'll get you through the whole Bible in a year. But you may be looking at that and thinking, impossible. So here's a nice one. These are also printed and available for you at the back if you'd like to take one. The 555 Bible reading plan. This will take you through the New Testament in a year. And what's really lovely, one chapter a day. Mark chapter one on January the 1st. And then January 2nd, Mark chapter two. And then you've got your catch-up days as well. So you could say, right, well, I don't think I could cover the whole Bible in a year, but maybe I could do a chapter a day and, and five readings a week throughout the year so that come this time next year, I will be able to rejoice in that I've completed the New Testament. And knowing that all those days, the maturing, life-giving breath of God was going in and fueling your Christian life. So those are at the back, and I hope that they'll be helpful for you. There are other ways to read your Bible. Some of you might find um, little uh, daily devotional notes helpful. Uh, Some of you might find other things good, and that's okay. But I would really encourage you, whatever you're doing, get into the text. You want to make sure that the majority of your time is in the text not necessarily commentary about the text, that you're in the text. Other really helpful tips that I just want to give you in this few moments that I have. Um, when you're getting into reading a book, and I would encourage you to do this, don't just jump around, read books at a time. When you're getting into reading a book, reading an introduction to that book of the Bible can be so, so helpful. helpful. There are things out there to help you. So for example, I find this really helpful. A survey of the Old Testament by Andrew Hill and John Walton. Now don't be intimidated by the thickness of that. Um, What that does is takes each of the books of the Bible and it gives you a little survey of what that book's about. Theologically, what the main point is, just orientates you to what you're getting into. And so you can read that for all of the Old Testament in this one. I find this one really helpful for the New Testament. An introduction to the New Testament by Carson and Moo. I'll leave these at the back afterwards. Same thing gives you a wee introduction to Mark's gospel, for example. You can read about an overview. You can get the theological meaning of the text. just sets you up to orientate you to get into that book you're reading. The Bible Project, if you know it, they do really helpful introductory videos to books of the Bible. Now, again, you want to have your thinking cap on always as you're listening to things. You want to be careful as you interpret and other people bringing in their explanation and meaning of the text. But I find those Bible project videos very, very helpful. Anytime I'm starting a sermon series, I'll go and listen and watch one of those videos It breaks down every book of the Bible into like a seven, eight minute video that gives you a good overview of it. That can be so, so helpful for getting into the books of the Bible. When you're reading, expect to understand some things and expect that there are things you won't understand. This is one of the things, again, people reading through the Bible in a year or be- reading through the, the New Testament in a year, they struggle with. They're like, I'm reading three chapters, but I don't understand. i in the middle of Leviticus, and I'm reading about mildew on walls, and I'm reading about mixed fabrics, and I'm reading about uncleanness and cleanness, and I just didn't get any of it. Well, I would say, don't worry about that. When you're reading through the Bible in a year, for example, you're reading to layer yourself in the content. There, of course, there are going to be chunks of stuff you don't understand, but you're layering It's all going in. You're layering it in. You're layering it in. You're layering it in. You can come back to it another time. You ever wonder why God says in the, in the Bible, he gives us teachers? Because it means there are going to be some things we don't understand and we need teachers to help us understand them. It's funny that I find myself as one of those teachers and often I'm reading the text going, what does this say? And you think and you study and you pray and you seek the help of the Holy Spirit and then you just do your best. And remember, I've got Daniel 8 through 12 coming up in the new year, so pray for me that I will be given the insight and understanding to preach it and make it helpful for you. So you want to read, you want to be getting those books in, and one of the things that I find helpful as well is when I'm reading large chunks of the Bible, think of a thermal imaging camera. You know those thermal imaging cameras that people look at and there's like a yellow area and then it goes red and then does it go green in the middle when it's really hot? I don't know. So I'll read three chapters of Genesis. There's no way I can remember everything I've read. There may be two verses out of the three chapters that bumped out at me this morning. The hot spots of the text. God's Spirit making the Word come alive to you, giving you what? You need. You know, I noticed this morning in Genesis chapter two. Probably read it millions of times, but what stood out to me this morning? God planted a garden. That's what it says. God planted a garden in the east, Eden. And I just thought, how did God plant a garden? Did he plant mature trees? Did they have to grow? All this. Just thinking about all of that, you're just like, wow. God planted a garden. And do you know what I read in chapter one? God flinging the stars into the sky. And do you know what blessed me through that? God is the God who is transcendent, sovereign over all, but then he's the God of the intimate. Plants a garden. Shapes a man from the dust. Flings the stars into space. A sovereign, as intimate, imminent God, plants a garden, puts a man in it. And it just blessed me. It really stirred me. So I really encourage you to do that as well. Now, I'm killing you here with my time. So here's this, just a so recap. You want to get into your Bible in 2023? Priority, place plan. Fourth, pray. Pray before you read, expressing your dependence on the Holy Spirit. Pray as you read. Pray after you read that God would give you insight. Then, fifthly and finally, remember the purpose of Bible reading. We don't just read because that's what we do as Christians. We read to have real communion with God. That's so important. I'm of the tendency, I can get so into my little plan that I just tick the box, got to read it, got to read it, got to read it, tick the box, tick the box. But you have to always remember the goal is to have communion with God. And I've said this before, there is a world of difference between just reading your Bible out of duty because you're supposed to read it and coming to the Bible saying, God, I'm hungry to hear your voice this morning. There's a world of difference between those two worlds. So I would really encourage you to be coming to commune with God. Beware legalism, works-based Bible reading. Beware a head full of Bible knowledge without a living relationship with God. Jesus said, John five thirty-nine, to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So the scriptures are not an end in themselves. They lead us to the one who gives us life. And that's what you want to press through into, in all your Bible reading, communion with God. Now, let me just say in passing a word to those of you who are uh, at a stage of life where things are so busy and frantic that you can hardly get a moment to read your Bible, thinking especially of those who have just had young babies. I've heard a few people say that since the baby was born, I haven't been able to even open my Bible, I haven't had a minute. And I understand that, been there. Just do what you can but you have to keep the word going in somewhere if you can. So audio Bibles can be helpful to just put it on in the background while you're feeding or whatever you're doing. Um, in the car, whatever you can do to just keep getting snippets. I remember holding our children at some times and Lindsay doing the same. You'd have a Bible open in front of you and be there and they'd be puking down your shoulder and you're there trying to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. That's okay. God gets the stage of life you're at. Remember, it's not, you don't receive God's favor by reading your Bible, loads. You receive favor with God because of Jesus and what he has done for you on the cross. But do what you can. I found that for a few months after everything had resumed to kind of the new normal after the children were born, I found myself sometimes living on the excuse that it's because of the, the kids have been born, and it was no longer an excuse. I needed to emerge out of that and find a new way to read my Bible whenever my nice quiet morning had been obliterated. But God gets that, do what you can. At every stage in life, we've got to fight hard to stay in the Bible. We've got to fight hard. We've got to fight and fight and fight to stay in our Bibles. It is how we will be alive. So let me close by taking you back to the image of the tree. Psalm 1, the one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not whether Do you want to be like that? Then continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Continue in the Scriptures that make you wise for salvation through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray, looking to the Lord for His faithful help, that 2023 would be a fruitful year in the Word and that God would work through his spirit and through his word to make you grow. It might be imperceptible in some ways, but it'll be happening. Steady, the roots going down that little bit deeper, the fruit in your life being that little bit sweeter, all through the living and abiding word of God. Let's pray together. Father, I've spent significant time this morning on just one area of Christian growth, but a very important area, Bible reading. And I pray, Father, that by the help of your Holy Spirit, as we look out on this year, I pray, Lord, that for us together, this would be a year where we cultivate a fruitful life in the Word, not feeling a pressure, not feeling burdened, but just being excited to try again, making a fresh commitment to be in our Bibles, not because we have to, but because we want to be alive. We want to be those fruitful, stable trees. And we know that you've told us how that comes about. And we pray that you would help us by giving us an appetite, giving us discipline. When the feelings of this moment fade that the discipline and help from you would kick in and that we would just keep going and that by this time next year, we'd be able to look back and give thanks to you for helping us, helping us to mature and grow through a faithful and fruitful life in the word. Lord, we just pray that you'd help us with this. And as we turn now to respond and sing and break bread in the Lord's table together at the start of a new year, We remember those words of Jesus where he said, these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me for life. But Lord, we do come to you this morning for life again. And as we break bread and drink the cup, may we again just taste afresh the beauty and glory of that life of Christ within our soul. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to respond by singing the first two verses of Lord for the years. This lovely hymn that just reminds us of God's care down through the years of history. After the two verses, please do be seated. If you haven't got the elements for communion, the bread and the cup, this is a wee moment where you could just slip out to the back if you're sharing in this time. Grab that, come back in, and then we'll break the bread and drink the cup together. So let's let the first couple of verses of this prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper together. Let's stand and sing.